Welcome back to Nine Works Radio. We start series seven celebrating 40 years of the Cabriolet. Nine Works Radio is your dedicated Porsche and car podcast, taking you closer than ever to the world's finest sports cars and the culture and history behind them. The show is brought to you by nineworks.co.uk, the innovative online platform for Porsche enthusiasts. Hosted by Porsche journalist Lee Sibley and 993 owner and engineer Andy Brooks, with special input from friends and experts around the industry, including you, our valued listeners. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Welcome to Nine Works Radio. Woohoo! Back for the summer season. The summer, yeah. Lots going on, lots going on. Andy, Max, I've missed you both. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I haven't seen you for years. Yeah. That's feel like a little while, doesn't it? Well, it has been a while, Andy, since the last series of Nine Works Radio. I I always lose count of what series we're on. So what are we on now? Series seven. Series seven, episode one. One, indeed. Fantastic. It's a pleasure to have you listening at home to Nine Radio. Thank you for joining us. We're with Andy Brooks here, Max Newman, and myself, Lee Sibley, uh, or otherwise known on the internet as Lee Silby. (laughs) Yes, the the infamous. (laughs) So, Does that mean you're from Birmingham and you're going to start talking Birmingham accent and doing doing killings and things? Possibly, possibly. (laughs) But I think maybe you should... It might be worth changing your name by Deepol because if Jerry Seinfeld keeps calling you Lee Silby, then there could be some traction in it. Ah, oh, to, to be fair, he can call me what what he wants as long as he <laughs> he lets me call him Jerry Shenfield or something. <laughs> <laughs> but no, look back to Nine Works Radio. We are at the start of a new series. We have stellar content, and I mean stellar content coming up this series because we are actually getting into a really good habit of planning way in advance to bring you the very best Porsche content on the podcast airwaves. So we hope we can deliver that. That's what we'd like to do. So um, we're going to kick off today with a bit of a rundown of what we've been up to while we've been away because it's been four or five weeks now. A lot has happened in the world of Porsche. And then we're going to be celebrating a milestone because us like Porsche themselves like to celebrate a milestone. And I mean, what is it, Andy? What are we celebrating today? 40 years of the Cabriolet this year. <laughs> I thought it'd yes. be quite, I thought it'd be quite a good subject. Um, sort of, yeah. See what we think of Cabriolets now we're, you know, I don't know, maybe we're getting a bit older and more gentrified <laughs> and just going, <laughs> going through the history as we know it. Um, yeah, and talking cabs. See what uh, and we've also got some input from our patrons as well, um, and what their thoughts are on cabriolets. So we'll, we'll get to play those a little bit later. It's definitely the season for cabrio buying and cabrio driving. There's no doubt about it. It, it, it is. It is uh, absolutely, especially in this country. Uh, we love a soft top or an open top or whatever you call it in the UK. Despite the fact that our climate doesn't really lend itself to soft top driving, we we love it. We love them. I, th- I think it's uh, I think it's a British condition to when you get a sniff of nice weather, you want to get your top off, beat your t-shirt or your barbecue on roof of your car, fire up the barbecue. You really want to go for it. In other countries, you know, where it's just hot all the time, you know, I don't appreciate you don't necessarily it. want a cab. 
Yeah. You know, they, they get it all the time. You want a bit of air conditioning. I think when it happens here, we want it, you know, we want to suck it up. But it's so funny because, again, like with the climate and funny enough, it's coming back from Paragon Porsche today, uh, driving an open top, funny enough, but not a cabriolet. Um, and I was coming M3 southbound. And I think my knowledge of other cars outside of Stuttgart is, is ropey at best. But I think it was like an Aston Martin DB nine but a convertible is that a thing or yeah 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 it is thing, okay yeah. brilliant um so yeah there was a bloke um steaming along the outside it was a lovely sunny day on the south coast today but about five o'clock we had torrential rain and i don't know if you saw any of that yeah, yeah but basically with these ominous skies ahead where it just went you know from bright sunshine to misty to gray monotonous and then the rain this bloke was steaming down the uh, fast lane of the M3 southbound and then had to dive off at Winchester services because he had his roof down <laughs> and he, he was in this race while stuck behind like an articulated lorry on the slip road to basically get over, reduce to whatever speed you can do where the top goes up yeah, before joining yeah. the motor again. And I just thought, and that is the great British problem we have with convertibles in this country. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Although it is the beauty of the modern convertible where you can, do it maybe up to 30 miles an hour or is it 34 miles an hour in a box? I'm not sure. Yeah, so you don't actually have to stop unless you've yeah. got a speedster. Unless you uh, spend or, the, or a, the... a Targa. Or a Targa, you know, with, with, yeah. with, with the new 991992s with the, um, I don't know, do we call that an active roll bar? Because it, you know, it's, it's certainly not passive, is it? I mean, it like deforms and turns into like transformers, doesn't it? With yeah. that roof system. But you, you have to be stationary for that to... Um, to work and yeah. i must admit in press cars uh of the past i have been caught out that same guy as mr db9 where you've had to pull over come to a complete standstill and then wait 19 long seconds and i know it's 19 seconds for the target <laughs> roof to go up <laughs> counting because when it's chucking it down with rain it feels like even longer feels like 19 minutes yeah so um but and imagine the cabriolet is only 12 by the way so there we go <laughs> okay. imagine if you did try to deploy a targa roof at 30 miles an hour you know it's like a sail isn't it <laughs> probably you'd probably do a wheelie yeah well this is it yeah with the, with the engine in the back as well yeah, <laughs> yeah. You'd just you'd go backwards i'm sure but uh excellent excellent yeah right anyway let's do some news shall we do some news should we do um some sort of I thought we'd all almost do like a, an introduction to ourselves because uh, there may be listeners that have not listened to previous series and know who we are and what we drive and stuff like that. So I thought we'd do a, a quick introduction and yeah, what car we've got maybe and what we've, what we've been doing to them lately. What do you reckon? Sounds great. Absolutely okay. great. Yeah. Go on, Go on Andy. You, you can kick off. All right. I'm going to kick off. My name's Andy Brooks. Um, I'm an engineer and driver 993 which i can't stop tinkering about it's tinkering with <laughs> <laughs> i just can't leave it alone uh, so yeah it's in bits at the moment uh, got plenty going on who's and next you may, you may have seen it on the internet with some stripes down the side oh yes yeah it's got some yeah. stripes down yeah yeah three orange stripes down the side a little ducktail uh set of rotiform wheels on it uh what else a few bits and bobs a little bit different for a 993 it has uh, it has an MDF front splitter from time to time. <laughs> nope, nope, <laughs> nope. Only nope. occasionally though, when it's not on the M three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nope. That was a pattern. <laughs> you you could have killed that guy in his Aston if that had flicked up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. Who's next? That's enough talking oh, about that. Although that's not all you drive, though, is it? You've got a very 
current and increasingly relevant other car as well. I have indeed. Yeah, I got a little um, BMW i3. That's my daily, yeah. which I I really enjoy and love. Um, surprisingly, for being such a big petrol head. Yeah, but uh, kind of yeah. cool though. Carbon tub, pretty funky machine. Yeah, like they are. Them. Yeah, lots of good technology on it. Yeah, yeah, and good fun to drive as well. Yeah, and quick, bloody quick. Yeah. Right, enough for me. Who's next? Shall I go? Yeah, go on, Max. Uh, Max Newman at Max Ripcore on your socials. I am a degenerate car enthusiast <laughs> and have been accused of being a Porsche nerd on this podcast, <laughs> which seems borderline offensive. But <laughs> I didn't make anything of it. I'm on my second 911. I've got a 991.1 C2S, which I've had for nearly two years. Had a 997.1 C2 before that for nearly 10 years. Uh, got a McCann as well daily, which is a diesel, unfortunately. But, um, you know, needs must. And uh, a Beamer 335i Touring as well, which is a great car. Beamer. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's me. Good to be here. Cool. Um, fan Debbie Dozy. Uh, my name's Lee Sibley. Formerly known on YouTube as that 911 guy. These days it's Nineworks TV. Away from the podcast here of Nineworks Radio, I run Nineworks, nineworks.co.uk. Um, it, what is Nineworks? Well, it's an online community, really, but it extends far further than the realms of the internet into, uh, believe it or not, reality. <laughs> so, yeah, we are a community. We are a culture. It brings together everything I do across uh, video, podcast, and the written form uh, all into one place and with nineworks.co.uk um yep yeah, i spend i spend my week doing that i'm a porsche journalist uh, now 11 years 11 years in the industry just dedicated to porsche um i've got a 1998 996.1 carrera cable throttle last of the cable throttle 911s whatever that means max is loving it so i always mention that um <laughs> And my daily is a 957 Cayenne, so 2009, three-litre diesel. And what does, I, it, what does it sound like? Does it sound like money, 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 Yes, money, it money, is. Money, it, money, is money. it is a money pit. And do you know what? <laughs> I actually think I see that engine light more than I do my own wife at the moment because <laughs> I spend so much time on the road and it just comes on and off all the time for lots of different reasons. It's a very sensitive little soul, I would say. So money, money, um, money, money, money. I love those yeah. <laughs> little things that keep popping up with that money, 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 money. <laughs> makes me laugh. But uh, yeah, they're 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 good fun. Uh, the nine nine six is my third, so I'm quite quite partial to the fifth generation nine eleven. That's about it, really. Excellent. Good introductions. I believe you've been doing some stuff the last few weeks, Lee. Stuff that we stuff. should should get a bit of an update on. You've been doing some racing. Ah, oh, but you don't boys. like to talk about it, boys. Ah, oh, you won't, you won't, you won't keep me quiet about this. You know, you you won't shut me up on it if anything. Um, Obsessive. Oh my god, you've both done track days, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's nothing like track days. It's like track day seems like a walk in the park compared to, to racing. And, and I mean that in terms of like just the absolute roller coaster of emotions um, and track days are absolutely awesome. I need to kind of make that super, super clear. Um, but it's, it's the buzz and the, the rush of adrenaline, the thrill of racing. There is genuinely nothing else like it, nothing else like it. I've never, never experienced that. Um, the best way I can assimilate it is through the words of uh, Darren Anderson at um, RPM Technic, who said that racing is is what he imagines 
crack to be like for for petrol heads basically and, and it is because you do yeah, it there's a there's a, ma- there's a massive buzz and then afterwards uh, certainly for me it, the last race was two weeks ago and i've just thought of nothing else since nothing else <laughs> so yeah it's a slippery slope and I, I think i'm going down it to be honest oh <laughs> careful, <laughs> careful so what have you done you've done a couple of races yeah, so um, I did, first of all, an arrive and drive thing with the guys at Rint, which was awesome. Um, kind of out of the blue, really, Brian Richardson, who runs Rint, uh, called me up in January. Yeah, asked if I'd like to go racing. Obviously, I was extremely keen for that. Um, as, yeah, a bit of a pilot, no pun intended, for their for their arrive and drive race program, which the, the guys at Rint vehicle designer just setting up so i mean look the uh, there are a couple of videos on nineworks tv to go and check that out and and it kind of covers it in depth but racing is expensive we can't get away from that but the the significant outlay comes in purchasing the car and bring it up to spec and whatnot Yeah. yeah um those guys do it for you so you turn up everything's taken care of you do your race you go home you don't worry about prepping it for the next round and all the rest of it yeah super attractive so, so brian really is sort of setting him up as a drug dealer he's drugging him setting himself <laughs> up as a drug dealer isn't he like the first the first one's for free you know that <laughs> for free but you know <laughs> do you know what in 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 the most positive way and brian even says that in in the uh the video we did you know racing yeah. is a drug uh, brian used to do a bit of racing then he went off to do some golf by his own admission he's now <laughs> racing again he's getting really into it again so he he yeah. understands it um and yeah, I, I understands that there are a lot of people out there that would love to go racing. You know, myself being one of them. Max, you've mentioned how you would love to do that. That's a real yeah, bucket, yeah, yeah. bucket list thing, yeah. you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I was wondering, Lee, in the last two weeks, how close have you got to turning Little Irish into a trailer with a boxster on it? Oh, massively. Honestly, I thought, well, I'm... <laughs> I'll just bin it off. I'll bin the car off and I'll just, I'll remortgage the house and I'll just, I'll <laughs> throw it all away racing. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Just got to do it. Yeah. Honestly, the, 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 the thing with rinse, the first kind of toe in the water in racing, um, because through their thing, uh, their program, you get your arts license, which I mean, that was kind of a fun event in itself. And yeah, then you, then you go racing and I shared a seat with Brian in the classic sports car club, which was a real kind of, uh, melting pot of of cars you know you were racing with everything from almost like historics to single seaters and everything in between we were in a 986 boxster s um so it was it was a real brilliant um toe in the water and then just serendipitously a week later i was at brands for the boxster porsche boxster cup with um charades 986 boxster s and again this just came from talking to Steve at Charade, whom we know from this podcast previously, particularly last series, almost mentioned to me in passing, um, you know, you should give it a go because obviously our competition last series was all about um, designing the livery and Justin, one of our listeners, yeah. designed the livery on that Rubystone 986S. Um, and yeah, just as we were kind of chatting through the logistics of that, Steve said, you know, well, you should have a go. And I said, well, I'd love to. And credit to the guy, he, he, he kept to his word. There was a weekend he couldn't do. He was away doing uh, like a fitness expo at um, at the XL in London and gave me the car. Fantastic. You know, I had to pay for the races. Um, yeah. But yeah, again, you know, free car off you go to go racing, which was at Brands Hatch GP. And I, I enjoyed 
I enjoyed that probably a little bit more because it's the box to cup it. There was an intensity to it that perhaps was missing slightly from the CSCC because they're all the same cars. Yeah. Brings the so, field together. Yeah. So you're only, you know, you're only met where well, two metrics to my mind is kind of talent and bravery. And then you, you need a little bit of both at different times, really. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and I was really worried about it chaps, to be honest with you, because I thought, well, I, you know, I've been commentating on these cars for 11 years, et cetera, et cetera. Am I going to embarrass myself here come last and and whatnot? But genuinely, with the way the competitors are, and I, I say this to encourage anybody who hasn't done it, who's thinking maybe I should, to just honestly try and do it, even if it's for one race, because everybody's so friendly. It's such a lovely atmosphere around the paddock for the whole day. So your fun spills out from the racetrack. It's it's far yeah. more than that. Um, it's, you know, it, it, it was such a nice environment, genuinely to the point where on the day, I couldn't care less where I finished. And I know I was kind of a tourist there for one day and two races, but you, you, you're just there to have fun. And, and yeah. where you finish and that is a complete bonus. So something yeah. I've wondered about with it, Lee, when I've thought about the idea of racing and, you know, the, the you know, the clear cost involved, you know, there's the, there's the getting the car and there's the getting there and all the costs you have to meet before you get on the start line. Yeah. And then there's the great variable of accident damage. You know, one yeah. thing is you, you know, spoon it off the track yourself. Yeah. But the other thing I've wondered about, you know, when you're racing in a, in a club situation like that, discipline around passing people and being passed you know is there a sort of is it, is it a gentlemanly thing or is it like moto gp where you know you 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 know fire it up the inside and see what happens yeah i mean look it's racing at the end of the day it's and this is where there is an intensity to it that you don't have on track days on track days obviously you wait for the person in front who might be slower to um you know overtaken on corners of course and they indicate and move over essentially and then let you through that's yeah. kind of how it works it's all very kind of convivial yeah um racing is racing and and i'm sure we've all heard racing you know genuine racing drivers in the past say well if there's half a gap they're going to go for it yeah um which was quite funny and again darren anderson said at some stage from rpm technic he said everybody needs to experience the thrill of going three abreast into paddock hill at least once in their life <laughs> funny enough funny enough that happened to me at once it was on race two and there were three of us going into that which is quite a tricky bre- uh, tricky bend you can't really see the exit yeah and uh, it did make me laugh and we went down and then up into this druids um and i i would argue i had the steel on the other two cars in terms of this half a gap, but because it wasn't my car, I did ease off. Uh-huh. Um, if it was my own car, I'd have probably gone for it. But in that scenario, there's more to gain than lose, even though it was Steve's car and Steve does own an accident repair center. <laughs> I might add, <laughs> maybe that's why he felt comfortable enough to give us the car. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. But um, yeah. And what was funny actually is on the Friday night when the car was delivered to Brands Hatch, Steve trailered the car there himself and, and a big shout out, by the way, to Mark and Lee from Charade, um, the techies that helped us out on the day. We had such a hoot with those guys we, as a team. We had such a laugh. And again, that's part of it. But um, Steve dropped the car off and we'd not really discussed the kind of the old financial side of it at the time. And uh, I said, Steve, you know, what do I owe you? Let, let me know for it. And, and to his credit at the, at the time, he said, Lee, don't worry about that for now. Just go racing, have fun. And we'll talk about it next week. <laughs> and 
I did know how much damage I, I did realize after two races of proper door-to-door mirror-to-mirror racing that yeah the reason he said that is probably we'll, <laughs> we'll assess the damage you know it's like when you return a higher car and you start yeah, yeah, yeah. Should, have, should have took out the old damage waiver on that one <laughs> so yeah it was funny it was funny oh um, excellent yeah, yeah. Max so can't even remember the question, mate. I'm sorry. Let's <laughs> 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 get carried away, don't you? You know. So you were quite fortunate there in so much as those two. You know, you made your racing debut in a Porsche, which is pretty cool. Mm, um, yeah. And then your second race as well. You know, now that you've got the got the drug, if you like, do you think that you would do? You know, something like the 750 Motor Club do their sort of Citroen C1 or whatever it is. You know that. You know, if you think what's the cheapest way to go racing, it's yeah. got to be with a club like 750 Motor Club yeah. and with a little saloon, little hatchback thing. Um, you know, are you thinking, yeah, well, I want to do it so much that you know I'd I'd do it in a Citroen C1, or are you thinking, oh yeah, I'd like to do some more boxster racing? Yeah, uh, t- to be honest, I-, I would love to do some more boxster racing. Um, you know, if, yeah, money no object. Of course, of course, I would because. I found that super interesting. It's quite homely for me in terms of the environment, it's relevant, the, isn't it? the, the, the people. Yeah. yeah, I have to say, I have to say, but um, yeah, ultimately Max racing is racing. I think anything to be honest with you would, would be great fun. What I would love to do. And Andy, you and I were talking about this on Sunday on the way back from fried eggs. They do like the 24 hour racing at Silverstone yes. and spa in the C ones. Uh, I was going to say that that was my next uh, question. Well, look, why don't we do it? Like genuinely, why don't, why don't we do it? You know, we live once we are dead forever. Like Jesus. Oh, you wow. Have, you really have taken this racing thing. That, on, uh, yeah. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly. Show us your new tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> why, why not? What, honestly, is life. Honestly, guys, <laughs> why not? Why not? That's, that is the thing. You know, it is honestly such good fun. The nine works C1. Oh, it'd be amazing. Wouldn't it it'd be amazing? Oh, let's maybe um, maybe we can set up Fizz Kid Racing. Fizz Kid <laughs> Racing, yes, in Neil's absence, <laughs> that'd be amazing. But look, I'll, I'll, we'll sign off from this, but I will just say go and check out the videos on Nineworks TV that cover this from start to finish because I grew up with a football at my feet, not pedals, um, no kind of karting and all, all the rest of it. I kind of consider myself to represent the every man and woman in this. So if I can do it, then you listening to this definitely can do this too. So if you're thinking I'd like to do this, even if it's for one race, tick it off the bucket list. Um, it absolutely is possible and you can do it in a Porsche and it doesn't have to cost the world. They are, they are good videos. Actually. I did, I did call you after I watched that first one and you left it on that cliffhanger. You know, it was, it was good. It's really good. Oh, and before we do stop, what about that tank slapper that you got? Um, plans. Yeah. I did well to save that. I'd like to think, Matt. Yeah, yeah. I, think you did. I think you did do well. People should definitely watch that. Yeah. People should definitely. That's, that, was a, that, was, that was officially a moment. Yes. Yes. 20p, 50p, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> so in Very other good. news, um, Andy, your car's still on the ramps. It's still like, is it yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. assembled? It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. The next <laughs> next few weeks yeah i've just got some uh bit a few last bits to pick up and get finished so yeah it's all coming it's coming together Good. are you going to do a new livery nope okay no 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 stick, stay with, as the, it stick is. with the tried and tested yeah yeah in, in fact the car won't look any different 
to what it looked like six months ago. <laughs> and you're not even hair. changing the wheels, are you? Because that was a thought, wasn't there, one stage? Uh, it's, it's going to be staying the same for now. Yeah, it, it, only if you get on your knees and put your head underneath will it look any different. So, yeah. Well, Maybe when yeah. you come to like nine is fine or something, you'll have to bring some mirrors. Yeah, take that ground, yeah. like a bug jam. Back take, in the take day, the wheels so off. All, yeah, <laughs> put, take the wheels off and stick it up on jacks so we can look at the nice get shiny some, hubs and stuff. I need to get some chrome axle stands. Yes. <laughs> well, it'd be nice to have the car back because there are lots of events going yes. on this summer, and you need a car, mate. You need a car to get. I do. To I do. Absolutely. So. Um, Yes, we've got yeah. lots coming up. Andy, you and I are going to Le Mans Classic. Yes. First weekend of July. That is going to be awesome. Yeah, really looking forward to that. That's going to be cool, flat, as. Yes, there's Flat Six Show at Goodwood on the 9th. That's a Saturday, I believe. Yeah, Saturday uh, the 9th. yeah looking forward to that. Yeah. We're podcasting there, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to be doing a bit of live podcasting, apparently. Really? Yes. yes. So if you're attending that, come and find us. Um, yeah. I want to put this out in the public domain again that uh, Sean has promised me some track time. So very much looking forward to that and definitely <laughs> holding Sean to account publicly for that. Well, Cheers now that you're a racing driver, mate, you know, ah, well, got there, to. We, there we go, mate. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so um, moving away from that and, and what is massive news is the announcement of the return of Rensport reunion for next year, which coincidentally will be the 75th anniversary of Porsche. Um, I know it's not in this country. It's in the United States, of course, being a, I think it's PCA organized actually, uh, or in the main. Um, although the, the late quick Vic Elford helped to launch it at, yeah. at the start of the, uh, at the start of the millennium or the new millennium. But you know, for, for us as Brits, I mean, you know, you guys, are you interested in going? I would yeah, love I'd like to, to go. I'd yeah. love to go. It's at Laguna Seca, you know, Northern California. Yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. Are they? Um, I don't think they've announced the, um, the place yeah, yet i saw it oh really yeah 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 i saw it announced patrick long announced it or when he didn't today? announce it but he put it on his it's on his instagram what today yeah oh cool yeah yeah Excellent. have a look have a look so it's uh, at the you know oh sort of my yes monterey oh, what late break. september early october breaking news yeah breaking news so yeah awesome that, that's awesome max well done like honestly you definitely got the hang of this journalism lark um <laughs> on the case mate Porsche announces dates and location for next Rensport reunion to be held at Laguna Seca from September the 28th to October the 1st, 2023. Do you know what? That is amazing. There, there was, um, after the last one in 2018, there was a uh, rumour that the show would be returning to the East Coast, which I think, you know, should happen every now and then. There's a big, big Porsche community on the East Coast of the States. Um, it, you know, it'd be lovely to to, to have it over there again at some point but i have to say that location which i mean that's it's been at laguna seca now for for a number of occasions um i went in 2015 and 18 i think it was there in 2011 beforehand um it's brilliant and it just it's like everybody from well all travels from all over california but actually from all over the world it's world, brilliant yeah. and it turns into like, I mean, the event is like four days, but it turns into almost like car week for Porsches. Um, yeah. It's it's just like a week-long California-wide festival of Porsche. Everybody comes together and, and there is just this amazing kind of sense of community and whatnot. So that's fantastic that that is back there, I have to say. Right. We need to book a house then. Yeah. 
We need to get but, a house booked. Nine Works House. Nine, 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 what, nine Works Radio Mansion. Yeah, let's do so, it. So you've been then, Lisa. My, you know, my perception of that event is that it's, you know, really, really special. And as a Porsche, you know, Porsche guy, Porsche person, you know, that's, that's really something that should make a big effort to go to. Is that, you know, is that right? Absolutely. Um, certainly in this country, there is nothing that comes remotely close to it. Wow. Um, as you know, European wide, I don't know. There are some pretty kind of cool events at like Nürburgring, old timer. Le Mans Classic is pretty cool. Obviously, these aren't like Porsche centric, but yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're cool events yeah. nevertheless. But for like, you know, for just Porsche, it, again, you know, I feel like I'm just spending everybody's money this episode, but you have to go <laughs> basically. You have to go there and you have to race there as well. <laughs> do, you, do you know what, what I've, heard it des- I've heard it described as a rolling museum? Yeah, know, yeah, it's just it like going to the Porsche Museum, but everything's running, everything's moving, everything's out on the track. It's just like, yeah, and racing, the, you know, yeah. and racing. So, like, you know, obviously, you know, the Goodwood Festival of Speed is, is you know, good and all the rest of it. Um, but it's a it's a it's a run up the hill, you know. Yes, I know they do it timed on Sunday and blah blah blah. But you know, at Laguna Seca, there are cars of extreme high historical significance, and they race. Yeah, which is awesome, you know. But they, they, we're not talking parade laps here. Um, and another good thing, actually, with Laguna Seca, kind of similar to Brands Hatch, is you can see like eighty percent of the circuit. If you stand at the top of the hill near the corkscrew and actually turn around. You, you you can see you know large swathes of the circuit so right. from a spectator's point of view it's brilliant and then funny enough actually i remember just before we flew back in 2018 i went up to the corkscrew and stood there um i was with a photographer but he was um he was back at our hotel having or enduring an extreme hangover <laughs> so we didn't get the pictures that we quite needed from that day but I stood there on, on my own just watching, um, I can't remember the category of whatever it was called now, but it was like 964, 993 RSRs, 996 GT3 Rs and GT3 RS race cars and whatnot. All that sort of modern classic millennium, post-millennium era of cars. Just like dancing down or dropping down corkscrew and then firing off from there to just this cacophony of noise um and i've got a clip on my phone i'll post it up on our instagram channel for people to enjoy it's just like a minute long of just flat six symphony it's the only way to describe it you know and you just think where else on the planet can give you this you know as a yeah. as a sort of frame of reference you know you mentioned goodwood if you think of goodwood members meeting or revival you know the things that they do at the circuit rather than festival of speed if goodwood did a porsche only event would that come close do you think or is it because it's in the states, is it just bigger and better? And yeah, and you, can- you know, it's 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 the American factor, I'm sure. And uh, you know, I know as a Brit, you're kind of biased on that, aren't you? I suppose um, because you, you're not used to it. So there is that wow factor. But then the Americans come over here and they 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 love yeah yeah, you know, yeah the, the, the British take on things. You know, like some of our houses are older than their country. And and I, yeah I, yeah yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know, but like I think, yeah, for for a Brit or someone travelling, put it this way: you 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 don't, you know, you sit in a tin can in the sky for eleven hours or whatever. You get off the other end, and you you are not disappointed after yeah. a sport reunion. You know, uh, you know, like I say, I, I I went back um, in 2015. Porsche flew me over, which was very kind of them. Um, 
in 2018 i i went myself went, went of my own accord um loved it and and absolutely will be doing it again for 2023 it'll be Let's awesome do it. Um, okay. And what, what I will say as well is um, you, you mentioned Patrick Long, Max, and it'd be lovely to to get him on the pod at some point. Yeah, um, he's a cool guy. It, he yeah. is. And and what I loved about Ren's Sport Reunion last time was it was like every race he was in. All, <laughs> you know, yeah. and all, it, all these different race cars spanning like the entire history of Porsche. He was racing and, and like just having so much fun. And there were other um, ex Porsche racing drivers of the not too distant past who were, you know, evidently paid to be there. Um, who I would argue didn't give anywhere near as much to the Porsche brand as what was a works driver at the time. We probably didn't need to, well, he did it yeah. because a lot of the cars were privateer cars. Yeah. You know, didn't, didn't need to be out there, but just was, and was having absolute spades of fun. Proper I really, immersed. Yeah. I really, really, really respect that. And, and that goes yeah. to show you, you know, I know he does like Luca Colt and, and, and all of that, but um, yeah, that that's an extremely passionate guy who's very passionate about his work. And I love that. Yeah. Absolutely. That'd be a Brilliant. chance for you to hang out with Jerry as well. <laughs> <laughs> Lee He'll definitely be there. Hey, Silby. Hey, hey, Silby. Hey. Get over here. Fantastic. Brilliant. Quality. All um, right. What other, what other stuff are, we, are you hitting this year? Have you got any plans for any other shows? I'm going to um, Megaphonics. On yeah, the I'm up for that too. Of May, yeah. Frank's event. Uh, I'm up for that. That's, that's local for me. Yeah. So um, looking forward to that. Hopefully it won't belt down with rain. That's that's like your actual second home, isn't it? Because all I see from you is pictures of Bista Heritage. Uh, yeah, although that's different though, because this is a Frank's place, isn't it? This is a yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Box and Gas, Box but and yeah, gas, yeah, same neighbourhood, but yeah. it is just up the road. So yeah, I'm going to that. Are you going to go? Um, I'm going to go to Air Cooled Edition. Hopefully, I should be able to do that. That's on the 19th of June. That's on the golf course. Uh, yes. PJ's uh, gig, uh, yeah. which was excellent last year. So yeah, I recommend you went, a trip to that. I remember you saying that was really good last yeah. year and I should yeah. have gone. It's actually on the same day as the next Bista Heritage Sunday Scramble. Yes. That's also on Sunday the 19th. I got a ticket for each um, and they're not a million miles apart. Yeah. So I might try and do both, I think, on that day. <laughs> Mad, madness. Madness. <laughs> double show, double top. Yeah. And there's a, one other thing that I'd like to give um, a little bit of a shout out to is the Cool Flow Cruise Nights that are happening up at um, the Mercedes Museum. Uh, brooklyn's at brooklyn's yeah um they i think they kicked off last month i think they're the last thursday of each month and i think they're going to be really a real cool little event on a nice summer's evening yeah. so yeah check I saw out some those it's really good yeah i really like the crossover with the v-dub thing yeah there. um you know that that it really did look good i, yeah. I thought i'd quite like to go to that cool um, have you got any plans lee anything you're gonna hit this year Probably, mate. Yeah, um, don't really know what at the moment. Um, I like to shoot from the hip when it comes to the, <laughs> when it comes to the shows. So, um, yeah, I'm evidently not very good at planning with the old DRE because, uh, well, I thought Le Mans Le Mans was was the last <laughs> weekend in June. I've just found out it's the second. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> going to be a racing driver mate you need to know when the events are you turn up to Lamar two weeks late <laughs> with your gear they'd be like monsieur monsieur <laughs> <C'est fini." laughs> 
<laughs> <Very good. laughs> uh, yeah um yeah so, uh, yeah i don't know mate if, if you're going i'll go how about that this all right all right let's, cool let's tag team it cool um, the other thing i hope i see you boys that will be my, my although it's now occasional not monthly my nine is fine oh yes um me, that's coming up isn't it it's coming up this sunday so before this pod goes out so it it will be over gone. um yeah. but i'm looking forward to that so that, that this coming sunday for me so uh yeah looking forward to that Cool. Yeah, I can't make this weekend, I'm afraid, but have a good time. Will do. Nice. Cool. Right. right. Um, I mean, we've got a, a section of Porsche news. I think what we've just done is probably calendar. Let's blitz through the Porsche news and then get on to the real meaty stuff, shall we? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, a Sport Classic has been announced. I, I think everybody knows, um, by and large, all of the information on that car now. Check out your video. That's the most detailed video out there. Yeah, yeah. You're all the specs about it. Thank you, mate. Appreciate that. And yes, um, it is a, a very detail-heavy video, again, on YouTube, Nomeworks TV. And the information that was garnered for that video was uh, fed directly from Porsche Exclusive. Yep. Boris Appenbrink, who heads up Porsche Exclusive, Grant Larson, who's obviously chief of design with, with that car and special projects. So go and check that out. Um, guys, what do you think? Sport Classic? Yay, nay? I don't know. I'm... I'm more curious about it, more intrigued having read the tech spec than I was just l- looking at it. I was slightly yeah. nonplussed by, by the way it looks, but the tech spec is interesting. And I, I was thinking, actually, I was interested to see what y- your expectations are of that car. Having driven a, driven a lot of 992s of, you know, two and four wheel and manual and PDK derivative, full fat turbo and everything in between. What do you think? a manual turbo full fat turbo but two-wheel drive is gonna what's it gonna feel like do you think i i think it'll be sensational mate to be honest i mean it is it's slightly detuned um from the turbo but it's obviously yeah the the turbo engine well, it's not the running gear is it at all because uh, the turbo is four-wheel drive and pdk yeah but i think look the the initial reaction from people who would like the car or, or could get the car should we say was kind of lukewarm and i i thought that was quite interesting because to my mind i don't see porsche ever making another manual rear wheel drive turbo mm, because yeah. this is what that's what it is yeah, and, yeah. You know, I, i'm assimilating this or pigeonholing it as a driver's turbo and 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 that just will not happen anymore so it's a real cool car and um i think the 992 will do wonders for the 997 in terms of values um, yeah a couple of weeks before the 992 was released, there weren't any 997 Sport Classics for sale. Now there are a couple. Um, so I think that that will do well for that because there are only 250 of them. There are 1,250 992s. Um, but I, I think it's a clever rework with the 992. Yeah, it's not like the first Heritage car, which was the Targa, which although was quite nice, it was, you know, ultimately is a Targa with some badges. Mm. Yeah, and some and clever interior bits and bobs, wasn't it? Y- yeah, that was but that's it. Really. it. I, I, otherwise, yeah. it's it's a Targa, um, yeah. which is great. Don't get me wrong, but I, I feel like with the nine nine two, its approach is more curated, and I like that. I think it kind of feeds into what we as enthusiasts demand from a car from Porsche exclusive, like the yeah. good old days of the nineteen eighties with flak bows and. Yeah, yeah, it's, well, it's got it's got some special stuff on it, isn't it? With the roof and the bonnet's different as well, isn't it? The, yeah, the bonnet. So uh, um, the fold with, lines are different, aren't they? Yeah, so it it channels directly from that double bubble roof flowing down, so they're further yeah. apart compared to um, 
compared to nine nine twos or closer together. I can't remember yeah. actually. Um, but again, with the side, so um, you know the, the the side of the car, that you know the body of it is unique because it's a turbo body, but d- doing away with the side air intakes, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. the guys were kind of keen to point out that's not something you just kind of you know think about down the pub oh should we do that you know there's a lot of reworking and engineering that needs to go into it and actually all of the systems have been recalibrated etc so i've been told um so max yeah i I think it's going to be cool i think it's going to be cool the the only kind of my only reservation so far is how will it ride so boris appenbrink specifically said to think of this car as a car for the north coast 500 rather than silverstone which is fair okay. common. I like that. You know, it's not it's not a motorsport car. Um, it's a, an engaging tourer. Nice. So the roads in the North Coast 500, um, you know, representative of any uh, bit of bitumen in this country, pretty shoddy in Shit. terms of ride quality. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, it, you yeah. know, we need a car that is um, open to that and can manage it. You know, we don't have the billiard table smooth roads that you do in Europe. I mean, it's embarrassing. You get off the 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 train ferry at Folkestone and you're basically, you know, well, yeah, it's, it's terrible. Put it that way. It's yes. not smooth. And it's just, a, it's a bit of an embarrassment for us as a kind of tourism hotspot. But anyway, yeah. um, so, you know, the car needs to handle, right. And, and I found that with like heavier cars of the 992 range that have the sport chassis, the ride is a bit too firm bit too stiff you know uncomfortably mm-hmm. so so i i really hope that where the guys say that has been recalibrated that that is taken into consideration you know if you want people to sit at the wheel for six hours a day and and do all the alpine passes um and mountain roads in this country it it needs to be an enjoyable and comfortable experience mm. yeah i like I the hope, look of the interior yes the interior looks fantastic and i like yeah, the wood in the interior which i wouldn't normally go anywhere near but i thought that looked really nice uh, which color would you go for out of the four i think launch to be honest with you like would with you? the yeah so I, I like the fact that it looks vaguely similar to the 997 of course this um isn't is a new color as as we know yeah uh, but i know I, I, yeah I, I like that maybe it's just because i'm pretty unimaginative and boring but okay i'll what, go black about, would you yeah yeah i the reason i'd go for that um I think to cover up that front bumper, the sort of guppy front bumper that the 992 seems to have been kind of loaded with. Um, yeah, I can't, I think that'll look much better in that it will disappear. Yeah. I, like you, Lee, I probably think that you, one probably ought to go for the launch color, but when I, as soon as I saw the picture of, of the black one, I mean, I'm a sucker for a black 911. I thought <laughs> that looks awesome. I definitely have black, but I definitely, cause I don't like that wheel design i would want to have the uh spokes painted black and i'd have a polished rim okay, you know yeah. to have that sort of 930 kind of vibe going on with the wheel yeah. i think and that would look cool yeah um, our um our mutual friend paul who's at the 911 goat on instagram he made a really good point with regards to the um the option of black and it's where the 992 generally is quite bloated and bulbous the turbo obviously being two meters fully two meters wide at over the rear um with it uh, the option of black it kind of tones that down you know it, it yeah. 
the illusion is it's a bit of a smaller car as a result. And I think yeah, that's, that's a, that's a yeah. good idea. Um, and as a man who owns a Ruby star 992 turbo, he's well placed to, to comment. Because <laughs> <laughs> that exactly. is no shrinking violet. Yeah. What I will say is um, doesn't matter what color you paint the car, the, uh, the lollipop thing with your number on the door. Oh shit. That, it's just yeah. not, not acceptable. Yeah. Don't, don't do it. Just don't do it. No. If you're going to go have one, don't do it. Although Lee, given your recent on track, no, no, you might no, want to no, be ready no. to go. You want to might no, have, no. have that number on there. Well, this is it. Race. I mean, there, there is a, that is a genuine um, point of interest there because in the UK, I'm sure you can't drive round. Like if you, you have to put a cross through your right. number yeah, on right, the road. Yeah. So yeah. how does, how does that work with a Porsche car uh, with your heritage design? If you, you know, you get your age or whatever it is on there. Um, and yeah, yeah I, d- I don't know. Like that's that kind of falls foul of the of the law. It does technically, I think. Yeah, I think you're rightly. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, no grown, no grown man or woman in my eyes anyway should be going around with like numbers on the side of their cars no. anyway. It's just not yeah. necessary. So cool. Well, Andy, you mentioned front bumper. I just want to stay with that. So we've had an email in over the close season from a listener, um, Carrie, who actually gave us the idea for the car names episode last series, which went down oh, yeah. really well. It'd be worth going back and checking that out if you're listening at home and not heard that. Um, so Carrie's got a 718 GTS and had a bit of a problem with it. So at service time, noticed uh, there was um, a crack or whatever it was in the in the condenser, which obviously sits in the front of the car of all Porsches, isn't it? Cayman Boxster 911. Um, that needed replacing. A lot of people go down the route because obviously there's no mesh on the front of the car on non-GT cars. A lot of people go down the route of um, putting mesh grills on the front. It stops, you know, detritus at the very least, but um, stones and all the rest of it. Zunsport is a popular popular company that people use, but apparently that invalidates your warranty on new cars. So you're left in this kind of weird juxtaposition as a consumer where it's, well, do you risk having your open grills? And on GTSs, whether it's Cayman, Boxster or 911, they are kind of quite big gaping holes yeah. in the front uh, of those cars. You, you know, you, you risk damage to your condensers and everything else. Um, or do you do the sensible thing, really, put a mesh grill on? But and yeah, potentially so that- have... That technically invalidates the warranty, does it? Because it's a non-Porsche part, so it's yeah. a non-standard part. Yeah. Now, this has been running is uh, it's a topic of interest among Region 31 of the Porsche Club because I think a few people have fallen foul of this. And I think the, the problem comes from the fact that the attitude changes from Porsche Centre to Porsche Centre. Some people are kind of a little bit more uh, willing to help out, a little more sympathetic, and others less so. So, um, and throwing into the mix GT cars, they have grills. Yeah. So it's, I mean, oh, yeah, do they? Li- I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. It's a little bit unfortunate because, I mean, you call it a design flaw. I don't know if that uh, might be a little bit too strong. We kind of, you know, we, we know the score with these cars when we buy them, really. Um, but I think it's a little bit unfair that those outside the GT range have to have that kind of conundrum really to what to weigh up you know from my point of view i don't know what you guys think to that yeah i mean i think it's a it's irritating i remember when i when i bought my 997 from paragon jamie jamie told me to keep an eye on you know leaves and things accumulating in that yeah you know on the front of mine and i was always trying to be quite diligent i could just about get my 
fat hand and forearm in there and scoop it out. <laughs> and I and I do that periodically. You get quite a lot of stuff out of there. Yeah, you but do. But even yeah. you know that, that that what that doesn't stop, of course, is a is a is a stone hitting it when you're when you're driving. And it was you know I had the car often for nine years or something. And it was when I was getting my third condenser. So I had two on uh, two on one side yeah. and one on the other side. Is when I was getting my second on the one side that Pete said look, we need to get some grills in here. And Paragon actually made some grills for me. Um, so I, you know, I never had to deal with that warranty thing, but you know, the warranty things just sounds like nonsense saying it invalidates the warranty to have them in. Cause it's a non-standard part. First thing I did when I bought the 991 again, you know, I didn't buy it from an OPC. So warranty didn't come up was I ordered some Zunsport grills yeah. um, and put them in just cause it, you know, some people say they don't look very good. You know, I got them in black. So, you know, they just sort of disappear as far as I'm concerned. You know, I just, uh, yeah, I thought you just got to have them. Yeah, I mean, that seems sensible. And I mean, like the car's not running any hotter, is it? No, no. Because yeah, it's the only thing I can really feasibly think of as to how that could even remotely go anywhere near potentially invalidating yeah. the warranty is it affects like the amount of air that's that's hitting the front of that car. Yeah. But no, it doesn't make any difference to me. That's, yeah. I think that people are being really unlucky if their OPCs are pulling them up on that. I remember a friend of mine, and it, it's not the same thing. You know, I could understand it a bit more. He took his 991 GTS in to have some warranty work done. Nothing to do with the condensers, actually. And he had a non-standard exhaust on it. And they they wouldn't do the warranty work. It was nothing to do with the exhaust, the warranty hmm. work. They wouldn't do the warranty work until he put the standard exhaust back on. So no, he had to put the standard exhaust back on, go back, have the warranty work done, and then put his other exhaust back on. I mean, it's, it's, it's daft, isn't it? This is where I think there needs to be perhaps a bit more of a uniform approach, because I know for a fact to other Porsche dealerships, that kind of thing just would not have happened. You know, going off previous experiences with similar scenarios and whatnot. So I, I personally think this is worth following up on and keeping a bit of a, an eye on this. Um, let's see what we can do as a podcast, because I think the issue is for some people, the issue is the validation of the warranty. For some people, the issue is a perceived design flaw in the car anyway, and not having the, the grills. Yeah. Um, I think it's worth just kind of trying to garner a little bit of understanding and perhaps just some equilibrium among all dealerships as to the approach on this, just so that as a consumer, everybody can have the facts and then make their own decision accordingly from yeah. um, an established agenda rather than, yeah. well, you know, it kind of it depends, you know, who you get and on what day as to kind of the outcome of your problem here. Yeah. Because it clearly it's, it's not just one or two cases. This seems to be happening a fair bit. So yeah. with the, uh, with the warranty angle, it would be interesting. And I don't know if that this was the case for that listener, whether, if you go back to an op to your OPC with that fault and uh, you know, cause you've got a stone or something on a new car, if that's possible to be done as a warranty claim, I don't know if that's possible the irony of the fact that if you put the Zunsport or some other grill in there that prevents that, then you you invalidate the warranty. You know, it's a kind of, I don't think it is in the warranty and it's seven. It probably isn't. Um, well, yeah. on, on, on this, um, Boxster 718 GTS, uh, the condenser was 700 quid plus VAT. So, Ouch. you know, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. not, it's not, it's not, it's not cheap. Money. I bought three of them. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, like with, because the engines in the back of, of Cayman Boxster 911, 
there's not as much kind of grill space on the front of these Porsches compared to say BMWs, for example. So yeah. like in terms of like stone chips on, you know, paintwork and whatnot, Porsches do tend to suffer quite a lot with that just because there's, you know, more, more space on the body exposed yeah. to, you know, it's, it's taken up by paint rather than grills. Um, it's kind of, I mean, it's why so many people get PPF, I suppose. So it's things like that that you kind of just have to, accept i suppose but again i just think this comes down to there's not really an established um setup on this as to what's yeah right you know there should be a protocol and there should also be some kind of you know um blanket view that putting zun sport grills in is not a, does not invalidate the warranty because that's just nonsense yeah well there think? should be some tech equipment ones that you can buy yeah, yeah, that's a great yeah. idea. It's a great idea. And you've been quiet on this. Um, I think we should put a post up on the on either you know Instagram account and see what other you know what people their opinions have been and what 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 they've had happen. Yeah. Um. See. Yeah. See what the sort of the consensus the audience's is. consensus is. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. No, yeah. It's kind of you know again part of our role on the podcast is um we we, we have to hold people and, and organizations to account you know it's not a fan club although we are obviously um massively in favor of these cars and whatnot but i think that we, we have a duty to kind of look after consumers really yeah. so i think this is worth following up on yeah agreed right then should we talk about 911 cabriolets yeah. let's do it yes cabriolets interesting subject isn't it Yes, yeah, so this is a real wholesome look at the 911 Cabriolet. We're going to bring you a definitive Nineworks history of the 911 Cabriolet. We're then going to be chatting to Chris at the award-winning specialist Right Tune, who's going to divulge some issues or potential problems that you might need to be aware about if you're interested in buying one. We're also going to speak to the experts at Paragon Porsche, also award-winning establishment. Um, we're going to be looking at the market values of Cabriolets, why they tend to be more new than the coupe, but in the used market, they're less. We're also going to be discussing our opinions of the 911 Cabriolet old and new and get you involved, particularly our Patreons. So, yeah, history of the cab. Let's, uh, let's do the rundown. So the cab was introduced in 1981 as a concept at the Frankfurt Motor Show where it was shown with four-wheel drive and turbo archers. First production was late 1982 as a 1983 model year. Um, it was a three-litre 911 SC. Uh, it was actually the last year of SC production. Yes, and in that year, a grand total of 4,214 customers grabbed the first ever 911 Cabriolet. And the roof design was, was chosen and developed to not balloon at high speed because it was still a fast car. At 1984, the Carrera 3.2 was launched. The stat books will tell us that nearly 20,000 people bought their 911 Carrera 3.2 in Cabriolet form over Coupe or Targa. And in 1987, there were further uh, developments to the hood with the launch of the electro-hydraulic top, which was, of course, at that time for the 3.2 Carrera cab and the 930 turbo cab. So next up is the 964 which used the same top design as the 3.2. Yes, but in difference to the 3.2, on the 964, this was also available on the wide-bodied Carrera, which had the lovely title of 964 Turbo Look Cabriolet. Following the 964, of course, was the 993, 
And the 993, albeit a very similar looking uh, hood design, is actually lower at the back to give it a sportier look, less like a pram. <laughs> but of course, it did have the basket handle that did make it look like a pram. 1998, of course, saw the advent of water cooling with the 996. And with it, alongside the coupe variant, the cabriolet was offered as well. This came with the hood being hidden for the first time when retracted rather than resting over the rear. And the 996 was the first 911 cab roof to have a glass rear window, which was introduced for the model year 2000. It also came with a hardtop as an option. And the 996 Cabriolet also gave us a new acronym to get used to, POSIP, Porsche Side Impact Protection, which basically gave the Cabriolet additional airbags as well as strengthening. And the 996 also brought us the first full-fat turbo Cabriolet since the 930. Right then, 997. What do we know about 997? Not a lot from our list. As far as we know, the roof of the 997 was extremely similar to the 996. Uh, correct us if we are wrong. I think the key thing about the 997 Cab, of course, over the 996 is when you got the top down, you got to see that much better looking interior. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. That is fantastic. <laughs> Love it. And whilst the 997 cab might not be your favourite 997, in terms of overall sales, it was a 60-40 split in favour of the coupe to cab. So Porsche didn't have any trouble selling them. Moving on to the 991, it was all changed. And the roof line, for the first time, closely matched that of the coupe. The drag coefficient was the same as well at 03 so onto the 992, uh, same roof as the 991, but with more extensive use of, use of magnesium. A big win for the 992 was that it boasted better noise insulation over the 991. So there was much less rolling road noise with the roof up that penetrated into the cabin. That's the Nine Works overview of the history of the 911 Cabriolet. Right then, should we speak to Chris uh, from Right Tune? Um, he's got some good tips on what to look out for um over all of the cabriolets over the years thanks for the question about uh 911 cabriolets um interesting topic so obviously i'm sure you've covered this already but they came they came quite late because obviously porsche were doing the target before because of the legislation that they were fearing in the u.s so the early cabriolets uh came in 82 um, which and up to 85, they're a manually operated roof. Um, it's they're pretty rare to be honest. I spoke to my dad earlier and he's only ever seen two, I've never seen one. Um, then in 86 onwards, they became a, the operation of them, they were electric and they shared the same or similar system on the 964 and 993. Um, and Generally, they're for these air cooled cars, they're pretty reliable, but they can be noisy and they do tend to leak a bit. Um, it's rare for the motors to fail on them, sometimes the cables fail. Uh, usually, one typically one fails, which sort of cocks the mechanism around one way and then can strip gears in in the gearbox and um and sometimes it can fail where it locks into the the front at the, at the windscreen um the other the other common failure with them is is the operating switch which is sort of 
uh, under the dash, the, the the contacts on them can burn out, which causes a failure. Uh, and then let's go on to the the nine nine six and and all uh, the water cooled cars. The the Cabriolets, you know, as a general rule of thumb, they they work very well. They took a big step forward. Um, they they you know the operation was pretty slick, and they generally seal very well have very little problems with with leaks um however um the the more common faults with them if there are any which is is fairly rare really is that you get the problems with micro switches one uh, is located on to do with the handbrake you've got to pull the handbrake up um uh to operate the roof unless you get something like a smart top system installed um and also the the micro switch in the in the latch where the where it latches in at the front again by the windscreen there's a micro switch in there that can can fail also the on a 906 are hydraulically uh operated uh rams which operate the roof and over long long periods of time it can slightly leak that it's rare for them to have a complete failure or, or, or burst and leak but they, they can over a long period of time sort of leak out and they get low and it can need the hydraulic oil um topping up in them because it will stop them from operating um the other things to look at with with these is 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 just the um the, the or the things that go wrong rather is that water ingress damaging control units which can then try and op- op- it then operates the roof or when it when it shouldn't do, and then that can cause damage. Um, so you'd always, with a cabriolet, be looking at uh, ensuring that the drains are clear. Because if they're not, then it, then it can cause water to come into the car, and you can get water in other ways as well. But there are a slightly different drainage system for a cabriolet that you you do need to check on top of the other places on every other um, Porsche nine uh, eleven that you'd be looking at for water ingress. A nine nine seven uses a similar system, um, and also, uh, yeah, again, I'd say like we've had very little trouble with them, really, relatively compared to the amount of cars that come through the workshop. And nine nine ones onwards, uh, we've had literally no problems. Um, not saying that there aren't. I'm sure, other specialists out there have had issues. We did have one problem with one nine nine one, which caused a bit of a headache. Um, and basically, it was because I don't know how it happened, but the roof had become sort of out of calibration it but it was very difficult for us to work out what was wrong because the diagnostics was giving us very little information and it it basically was telling us that it was home or and it, and it wasn't but we basically had to just sort of reset everything um and it, it wasn't it caused a lot of head scratching but in the end we, we sorted it but um other than that we've had like very little trouble with them seems like over time they've generally polished and improved the product and it's now really really slick they're you know the cabriolet roofs are very very good thank you very much and i hope to speak to you guys soon happy podcast so really good to hear from chris about what the possible issues are with cabs uh thing to keep in mind if you if you're looking to purchase one um you're warm into them andy aren't you i am i am definitely and it's in it's interesting, actually. I was like, you know, why am I warming to them? Um, 
and I kind of come up with a little theory like I do on these things. Um, and I was thinking that, you know, with your first 9-11, which my, mine is, um, I definitely wanted hard top. I wanted that silhouette. Um, I wanted all of the things that you think you want as a first port or, you know, if it's your only like fun car, then there's particular things that you want to tick off, aren't there? And I think the cab for a lot of people doesn't tick those off. And that's why most people sort of bypass them. Um, but now that I've had my first Porsche, uh, I'd be quite open to, you know, the next one being a Cabriolet. Okay. But so new or old, because the new cars, 991 and 992, they do follow the silhouette in terms of that roof line with the roof up, follows the, the coupes quite faithfully. Yeah, that's interesting. I I think I'd probably stick to my guns on air-cooled stuff, even though, I'm, yeah, I I have warmed of late to um, water-cooled stuff that's hard top, but I'm not, not there with the soft top stuff. Um, but I am with um, with the earlier air-cooled, and it would be 964 and 993 for me. Yeah. Um, I think you're you- right about the shape, Andy. I totally on board with that about the... And it's not about being a, a, a purist. You know, I'm a purist, mate. I'm a purist. I'm not having that. I'm not having that. You know, yeah. I don't mean that. I don't really subscribe to, to that sort of thing. But there is something iconic about the silhouette of the 911. I mean, it's probably something that Porsche even copyrighted. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the sort of kick in the C pillar and all of that sort of thing. You know, it's as, I was going to say, it, it's as iconic as the Coca-Cola logo. That might be slightly overclubbing it. But, you know, you, you, know, you get where I'm coming from. You know, there's yeah. something really, really special about it. And as a... You know, when you're buying your first 911, I think that's rightly something that you want to experience and you want to see outside the house and you want to be in and, you know, and enjoy and look at and, you know, that, do that look back in the car park thing. Yeah. And and you don't get that in a cab, especially an air-cooled cab. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you've got the, the sort of more sort of prammy top thing, haven't you, that doesn't really sort of follow the lines of the car. Uh, the window line is totally lost because you haven't got any back window of any sort. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and whilst I do agree with most of what you guys are saying, I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate mm. here. So, and I'm thinking, say, 997 as well, you know, not not the new stuff where it follows that line. So maybe beforehand where it wasn't yeah. quite, it still looked a little bit, a little bit different, a little bit lumpy. But, um, you know, even with the modern cabs, surely that plays into um, the 911's whole kind of remit of being the everyday practical sports car. Um, the roof gives you the element of that fresh air motoring, chance to hear that flat six a bit more, um, get some sun on your head. Um, and actually with the roof down, you have better access to those rear seats that you know, we all like to have, but we're not really sure why. And they just, it, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it just, yeah. um, yeah, seems to help out. I mean, for example, ah. this, this was a press car admittedly, but I got two for my 996, I've got two huge rear tires, um, slung in the, behind the front seats of a 991 Cabriolet press car, which I'd never have been able to get those in a coupe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's maybe like the 991 and 992. They're just too fast to be Cabriolets. If you know what I mean? I, I want my cab a bit more of a cruiser, a bit yeah. more of a, yeah, mooching around. I think that's than... an interesting point, Andy. And I mean, it's difficult to know because we're all of, well, we're not because Lee's still a youngster, but you know, we're of a 
certain age now, but the point that I'm trying to get to is I think as even a late air cooled cab, you know, a 964 or a 993 becomes quite an old car, the, the, the market has moved to a place where the GT cars are really quite extreme, aren't they? You know, if you're lucky enough to own a you know, 991 GT3 or a 997 GT3 or something like that, you know, they've got a really fast, focused, quite intense car. Um, you know, and 20, 30 years ago, you know, you'd have a, you know, a tuned up 3.2 Carrera, you know, to, uh, to do that. If you're a track day pioneer, you might be using a 964 RS or something like that. Now yeah. you're in a, you know, a mental GT3 RS. And the idea of a 993 cab or a 964 cab to not to cruise about in like an old man, you know, still to enjoy yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Drive like a sports car, but in a different way to yeah. the way that you'd use a GT3. So, you know, so if you're lucky enough to be able to, you know, afford more than one 911, then why not have the intense experience of a PDK GT3 RS even? And then why not have the, you know, the joy of some top-down motoring with a, you know, with an air-cooled cab? I think there's something massively appealing about that and i don't know how much of that is my age i'm 46 or how much of it is the development of the market in yeah. that you know in that direction well i love cabriolets absolutely love 911 cabriolets old and new i think i've mentioned on a previous series of nonworks radio that um my wedding car was actually a miami blue 991.2 turbo s cab no, it's sensational so car, sensational. And um, with that, obviously, it's four-wheel drive PDK um, Cabriolet. So it, it it ticked every box, really. So for like round town sort of errands and whatnot, it was perfectly capable, perfectly comfortable. Um, we took it to over to Ireland. We got married in Ireland. And uh, so, you know, the rain or the weather is very kind of interchangeable there. So, yeah, the, the, the roof was up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down all the time. <laughs> got to so, work out. Um, yeah, you know, and again, it's nice on the newest stuff, yeah, that you can do that up to 30 mile an hour. So um, that was definitely, definitely handy, definitely helpful. Um, but, yeah, look, you know, it, it ticked all of those boxes. But, again, times when you wanted to really push on um, – put the roof down again, you know, hear that flat six working. I just, I, I felt that that cabriolet um, element really played into that kind of third dimension that a turbo S can kind of offer you in terms of it can do everything and do everything very, very well. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. and, and, and also, I mean, without this kind of um, diverging too much onto target stuff, I, I much prefer a cabriolet to a targa any generation for the simple fact that to my mind a targa um is a flawed concept a flawed design always has been and still hasn't been fixed to this day um the wind buffeting from 40 mm. 45 mile an hour and above i know on the 991s and 992s they've got like the wind breaker bar above the windscreen yeah it's it's not particularly helpful um whereas a 911 cabriolet you can sit at 80 mile an hour with uh, the roof down, you'll have your windows up and it's got its own windbreaker that pops up behind the um, the front seats. You can sit there at 80, 90, you could do it 100 mile an hour. You could sit there with the roof down and have a convivial, easy chat with your passenger where you're not having to shout above the wind noise and everything else. Whereas the wow, target, it's not possible to have a civilised conversation with wow. a passenger. It's funny, isn't it? Because you would think from an outsider's point of view that it's not, um, you know, not driven in, either of those um but you would think the targa was more protective yeah 
Yeah, you would, but yeah. it's, it's absolutely not because where the wind rushes over um, the windscreen and then is basically shoehorned into that greenhouse at the back yeah. of the car, it's got nowhere to go. Yeah, yeah, and just funnels around and buffets. Y- y- and, yeah, and it yeah. is, and it, honestly, it's not pleasant. Um, genuinely, I remember going to see the British Grand Prix in a 991 Targa a few years back, and I, I was grateful to arrive at the Formula One, and this was before the cars were turbocharged, um, for relative peace and quiet, because I, I had a headache <laughs> with the roof down. <laughs> going up the a34 to silverstone just with <laughs> just you know obviously i could have put the roof up of course but i'd have had to stop for that, and i was probably late but um yeah on, honestly so like the, the the cabriolet offers a far more convincing um top-down experience, experience. yeah, yeah, target. yeah, yeah a, that is a, anything above you know relative walking pace yeah yeah well, okay. you, you know you, you know what i mean so yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of them in terms of practicality yeah okay um i um have been speaking to a few of our patreons um we've recently set up a patreon whatsapp group um because we were finding that sort of the patreon messaging system was not particularly um good in sort of being able to speak to our patrons and getting getting engaged with them so uh, we set up a whatsapp group which has been really good uh, you know everybody's chatting away and having a good time and uh, we asked them if they would sort of cast their opinions on the on cabaret i can't say other words let's call it cabs <laughs> <laughs> um so i think we'd probably like to play a few of those and uh, just then discuss what right first one is lee kennedy Hi, it's Lee Kennedy. Um, just a follow-up on uh, Lee Sibley's request on some voice notes regarding cabs. Um, in this country, I don't think I would be inclined to get one. I've always really liked the silhouette of a uh, 911, um, and I do think that very few models over the years have sort of been able to maintain that silhouette um as cleanly and and keep those lines as 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 fresh so um because of the weather also because of storage you really want to keep it under cover uh you know overnight and during the sort of winter months and and really um just because of the silhouette and the way the way it feels i think um the the 911 coupe looks much better than the um than the cab uh but you know, it doesn't mean that uh, I, I, I completely dislike them. I just wouldn't ever buy one myself. Yeah. Lee makes a similar point there, Andy, to you about the silhouette. You know, that's a fair... I wouldn't be surprised if we hear quite a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the, the big things, isn't it? If it's going to be your only... If it's going to be your only sort of 911. Yeah. Um, or your first 911, should I say, then yes. you, know, you, you kind of want to push towards a, a coupe. Yeah. Okay, let's play um, another one. I think this one's probably a bit more positive towards Cabrales. Uh, this is Giles. Hi, everyone on Nine Works. This is Giles here. Um, Cabrales, good subject. Um, never been into them, never been my bag. Um, there was one years ago, a 996 cab that was absolutely slammed on its belly by uh, AP Car Design. That was the only car I've ever liked. However, as things have changed, maybe I'm maturing, maybe I'm getting a little bit older, um, and partly because I think we just can't quite drive as fast as we we used to, um, or without getting nicked, I feel the appeal for me is just a little bit more grown up, probably taking the scenery a little bit more, and, um, you know, it's not quite as nutty uh, as perhaps we would, you know, we would have with our normal cars. Uh, So, yeah, maybe this is a sign of me getting older, but perhaps uh, I like... uh, uh, 
not necessarily life in the slow lane, but perhaps life in the middle lane. But yeah, uh, didn't get them uh, beginning to appeal to me massively. Um, maybe targets of the sweet spot. Interesting. Yeah, he's obviously not driven a target then. Yeah, so <laughs> I agree with absolutely everything there, other than the last sentiment. But um, yeah, yeah, no, interesting, interesting viewpoint. Excellent. Right uh, on to a, an actual tar- uh, sorry, not a target owner, a cabriolet owner, uh, Tom Tom Montgomery. Hi, this is Tom Montgomery, one of your patrons. Um, I absolutely love my nine nine seven point two cab. Well, I do feel pangs of jealousy when I see the perfect lines of the coupe, and especially the 997 GTS. But that's until I blast through a tunnel or cruise down a coastal road with the roof down, and then the cab makes sense again. But around town, I feel quite self-conscious with the roof down. I think the 991 cab looks the best, although I do like the look of the 80s Cabriolet soft tops that look like they've been made out of a tent. Um, I completely see the argument, if you want a cab, get a boxer. However, the pleasure it gives the little people with the roof down the 911, it's almost worth the extra cost. And it's good to indoctrinate the kids early into Porsche before they become woke anti-combustion types. That is fantastic. <laughs> Brilliant. Fantastic. Yes, I think the really on. interesting point there, which I was I was going to bring up, is you know, aside from needing to carry tires in the back of your 911 cab, there is an argument which has been you know oft said about if you're going to get a drop-top Porsche, it should be a Boxster, not a 911. You know, because it's designed to be a drop top it's especially in 981 guys it's a great looking car so you know if you want the wind in the hair get a boxster yeah i thought it's uh what another interesting point was the um self-consciousness around town <laughs> yeah i've always felt that way um my wife's had a couple of cabriolets and i always drove them with the hood up because <laughs> i'd have the windows down so you'd have the full like she had a what was it? A BMW Z4 and with the hard top cabriolet. I thought that looked great with all the windows down. Yeah, I much yeah. preferred driving it like that than with the top down. I always felt very conscious in it. That's been one of my hesitations about a um a convertible, not just Porsches, but you know, all the way through. It's that driving round round town. And uh, in fact, somebody did say to me, a guy that I used to work with years and years ago, he was a bit older and more senior than me, and he had a um he had a 996 cab, I think, when it was the when it was when it was the current generation. Yeah, and uh, he told me about. I think he got spat on once. <laughs> um, he definitely had abuse held at him when he was, you know, sitting at traffic lights or something with a top down in his in his 911. People really took took offence to it. Um, and I, I have to admit, I have sort of wondered, and it's not a 911 thing, just a convertible thing generally. I think am I a bit too self conscious or maybe not that shy to be a drop top guy and yeah. going back to the point Lee about um you know the advantage of a cab is that you can put the top up and down on the move when I had the Boxster for a week from um Porsche Centre Leeds which I loved um I would keep the top up until I was out the village and then I put the top down yeah really? so go out the 30 into the de-restricted then I put the top down and then when I came back in to the village I put the top back up again I can, I can just see Silby, old Silby there, drop top, all the top down, all the time, music up, volume 10. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bob, blaring away. <laughs> I, I just think, and I think it's worth you guys remembering this, there are people in this world that own and drive willingly convertible Range Rover evokes. Um, <laughs> and so long as, you know, against that metric... You're doing fine with your box store. You're not left with the roof down. That's you're doing, a fair that, point. You're, do, you're doing yeah, yeah. fine, you know. So just don't worry about it. 
<laughs> yeah. The Evoke convertible is only one step up from a drop top PT cruiser, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Well, on, just on the subject of uh, practicality, and, it, and it, it wasn't with a, a Porsche, it was with a, a Unos Roadster in, uh, well, when was that? Maybe 2010, 2011. Um, I owned one, had the roof down, was going through Bath city centre, and I was stuck in traffic actually, and I just heard this. I was like, what the hell is that? Look down on my left arm. And uh, yeah, basically quite literally been shat on from a great height um, <laughs> by, by a seagull. But it was like, I mean, it, it, if, if they were targeting me, it was, a, it was a great bit of work. Great bit of work. Um, <laughs> it didn't touch anything else in the interior, just my arm. So um, I had this kind of really awkward drive through the city because obviously it's, yeah it was not an electric <laughs> top on those is it so i just had this like drying bird crap on my <laughs> forearm basically until i got brilliant. home so yeah that's the only kind of drawback i suppose for practicality i'd say <laughs> brilliant i think our um, next listener talks about a mx5 uh this is alex brody uh so my thoughts are in my 20s i had a lovely little mazda mx5 drop top so i can totally see the value of having open air driving he used to really enjoy that the only thing i would say particularly with reference to the 996 cabriolet is I, I think you do lose those lines at the back it's just a bit too humpy for me um i do prefer the kind of coupe version having said that each to their own uh, one of the great things about the mark is that there's lots of different options out there um and if you were to ask me my preference i'm in love with the targa of any generation uh, i think that ticks all the boxes um, so I'd be a Targa man if I could afford one. Another Targa man. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, interesting to say about the back end of the 996 Cabriolet, where it's a bit lumpy. It is really high, isn't it? And is that where the, all the hood hides under there, or is it yeah. just, just... Yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the, you know, you made the point earlier on, Andy, about the rear quarter light coming in on the 996 you know you didn't have yeah. 993 or 964 or, or before so roof up the 996 was quite a step forward you know it's still a little bit pram like um but i think roof down i know what he means i, I think yeah i think a wider body 996 cab looks better looks a bit better aesthetically because yeah. the wider hips well balanced. balance out the hump a yeah. little bit better so you know 996 c4s or turbo cab you know with the roof down you know that's that's all the glamour and all the action there i think it gives yeah. it a bit of brawn doesn't it because yeah the side yeah. matches the top uh, interestingly with the 996 i'm sure it was standard spec you got a hard top with it i think you're right and, and 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 that was a really that gave it a really awkward shape because yeah. It, yeah. it didn't it wasn't a smooth flowing line at the back that dropped down to the deck cleared it was almost it was just kind of weird like wedge and mm. side on because obviously there was no um like rear quarter glass it just gave this kind of awkward like um like elvis presley style sideburn that kind of just <laughs> came down and swooping down the side of the car honestly take a look at one side on it's yeah and it was it was really weird they definitely looked better with uh the hard top off and and yeah. stowed yeah. many owners did they stowed them away um you know, put them on a stand and, and probably just uh, sold them on eBay, I imagine, because yeah. there's a lot of 996 cabs now that, that that don't come with it, but there's a lot of hard tops for sale on uh, on online auctions. Yeah. Uh, interesting, the 997 doesn't look so humpy, does it? But what we were saying earlier is we think it's the same hood carried across, but is it just where the 997 back end has risen around that hump, that the hump disappears a bit? 
I think it's because the 997 has is more hippie even on an even on a narrow body car yeah. so it yeah. just works a little bit better and you know I, I have occasionally thought you know i get accused of being a 997 evangelist so you're going to say oh he just you know, here he comes in, again in defense of the 997 <laughs> cab but a couple of times you know i see people because i you know I, I think yeah it's not my thing uh but with the top down you know 997 cab you know people look like they're having a good time i've been envious i have been envious yeah but my the cab that I really like, that I'd really like, and I, I, I spent a bit of time trying to work out why that is, is 964 cab. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, with the hood up, it looks as awkward as every air called, you know, it, it looks, and this will resonate with you, Andy, they look like someone who's chopped the roof off and made their own convertible beetle because <laughs> they never had the, um, <laughs> the, the rear quarter glass in them, did they? It yeah, was always yeah. an awkward hood that looked like they'd made it at home um and i think that's what 911 air cooled cabs look like with the roof up they and, do a little bit yeah and with the roof down people say it's awkward because it piles up you know like a pram hood on top of the bodywork but so so i kept trying to think well why do i like it on the 964 and I, i've reasoned that it must be because of those depending on whether you think they're bulbous or smoothed off bumpers on a 964 that led adds a bit of weight to it visually i think maybe they balance out the piled up hood on the top with yeah. the sort of bulbous bumpers of a 964 and it just kind of and because it's slightly slab sided it just sort of drops down onto the flanks of it and it with roof down i think a 964 cab especially with flag mirrors and d90s that's cool in the gang i'd really like one of those really yeah. really like one of those <laughs> right funny, isn't it we're sorry we just, we'd mentioned on the podcast before um about how all the guys at, at porsche in stuttgart yeah, yeah. F- famous guys from within the company have all got 993 cabs and to be honest i regret kind of um mentioning my uh, love for 993 cabs previously because i mean you could pick them up for like 25 grand at yeah, the time. Yeah. definitely not anymore definitely no, no. not yeah which is a real shame because that was all i mean obviously it would have been a leggy one but you know it's tempting very very tempting but um the, yeah the, the guys at porsche with 903 caps that are all on k kw coilovers as well by the way so they're pulled out the sky which i think helps the look yeah um dr frank stefan voliser andrews preuninger uh, tony hatter yeah yep. all smoke about in 903 cabs so yeah yeah we we talked about it i remember lee and we both saw it in the flesh i can't remember if you actually maybe drove it but for a while paragon had a silver 993 c4 cab manual dark yes. interior i can't remember if it was black or blue blue and they had it in the in the showroom for a while actually always with the roof down and i used to look at that um on the occasions i was there and i think yeah you know i can really see myself cruising about in that i almost and going back to the way that you think you might use these cars i didn't wasn't even bothered that it was a c4 not a c2 because i didn't think i was going to drive it like my hair was on fire i just <laughs> thought yeah um, i'm into that yeah right i've got one last opinion from a, a listener um if we'll just uh, quickly play that one uh, it's just a little short one uh, this is james bullen hi guys just sharing my thoughts on the 911 cab discussion um never owned one uh have had nine 911 coupes uh, and a few boxsters and i think that really tells you the story of my views on it it's um for me buying a cabriolet I'd, I'd prefer to buy a car that was designed as a cab not one that's been modified i never really see the lines of a 911 cab as quite right when you look at them with the hood up 
and in fact until the 991 and 992 I don't think they've really looked particularly 911 like that said uh, I know a lot of people that have got them really love them great cars um, but just not for me hey JB leader of the Redbourne Porsche Owners Club it is indeed yeah good man he's not up for the cab life owner at the moment though of a, of a 981 boxster he makes a good point about the 991 i mean i that's that's a game changer i think in 911 cab terms the, the 991 it's a really really good looking car i think what, and when top, i was top um, up or down top up or down for the first yeah. time for the yeah. first time crucially top up i think i know it doesn't have the sort of have the kick that you know the Hofmeister kink whatever you might call it if you're a BMW fan in the C pillar but it's a really handsome car top up or down and when I was looking for my 991 um in my own mind and I think I even said it to Jamie at Paragon because I asked him to, to keep his eye out for stuff you know I was, I was saying to myself you know I'm interested in the right car and I'm not bothered actually whether it's a coupe or cab I think I'd you know I think I'd enjoy either yeah. Um, whether I'd actually have pulled not the topist. pin. No, not topist. Whether I'd have actually pulled the pin on a cab or not, I don't know. Is it, as it, you know, as it, as it, yeah, it I guess it would have probably. I bought the coupe and I'm very pleased to have the sunroof and have it open all the time. But, you know, 991, you know, I don't know how much of it, I can't believe that they didn't, you know, start to think about convertibles when they were first designed in the 996 and the 997. But there's a real, uh, feeling that the 991 was designed to be a cab as much as it was a coupe. And yeah. I know from, from reading that they looked at various ideas. They looked at the folding hardtop um, idea, but they discounted that on the grounds of getting the center of gravity as low as they possibly could, which is why there's so much magnesium in the roof. And I think with the roof up, the roof structure on a 991 does actually contribute to the torsional rigidity of the car. So it is stiffer. Yeah, with the with the roof, you know, it's a it's a real engineering tour de force as well. Yeah. I think as looking you, bloody brilliant. Yeah, you you can feel without a doubt that the newer cars are far kind of stiffer than the the kind of sloppy ride to the to the the air cooled cabs. But I mean, again, it's not really what they're about, are they? You know, it is no. a bit more of a gentle car. What I will say is that there's a heinous amount of air cooled nine eleven cabriolets that are spoiled by having the tea tray wing on the back of them. And to my mind, it's it's an absolute killer. You know, a wing should, I mean, in the first instance, be on a race car. Um, but for, you know, I don't know, a, a lumpy 911 Cabriolet, it just looks so out of place on, like, you know, the 3.2 era. Yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Good friend of mine, Matt Finch, I wrote about it. Um, you see it in my T911 column coming up. I spent the day with him recently at Bicester Heritage and he turned up and he's got an 87 3.2 cab uh, in silver with a red leather interior, mm-hmm. um, which was owned originally by Telstar Records, which <laughs> makes me wonder, you know, who might have been in, I think it was a maybe a director's car rather than a pop star's car, but still, who knows what he's might been have been in it. Yeah. Who knows? Passenger. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that does have, it does have the wing on it oh, and it does look, it you know, I've, I, I took some pictures of it, um, some really nice pictures and it does look slightly awkward. Whereas with the flat back, that's a really good looking car. I think. I think, it, you know, even though it, it doesn't look quite right and it doesn't, it certainly doesn't look slender. Um, I think with the flat back, you know, the air cool cars with the roof stow, particularly with the tonneau cover on, it does look quite elegant. Yeah. 
Agreed. You know, and I, and I just think that the wing is so awkward and, you know, just doesn't just, do it. It's yeah. just, yeah, shouldn't, shouldn't be there really. But there's yeah. a surprising amount of them kicking around with, with the monster, evidently like super, super popular at the time. Yeah. Although, notwithstanding all of that, which I do agree with, I got some weird interest and excitement by that flat nose turbo cab in T911. Uh, recently in that turbo article yeah and there was something and I, and I kept looking at it thinking I really like that and I'm not sure why um because I've never been in, into the flat nose 911s particularly mm. never been into 911 air cooled uh, cows particularly but there's something about that combination of of flat nose and turbo and wing and uh, I don't know is it the glamour is it the true romance thing with the coke and the you know I, I don't know what it is. I, I just, I, it I agree. Looks great. I agree. And I drove that very car and oh, I did absolutely you? loved it. And I think because it has like the chunky side sills, the flat nose, of course, with the pop-up lights and the louvers over the front wheels. Yes. All of that just seems to make that rear wing acceptable. And yeah, course, yeah. It was the power kit it had twin exit exhaust as well, rather than the single exit. So it just kind of, uh, to me, yeah, you know, as we said, it typifies eighties excess. Yeah. Um, complete you know miami vice and uh, and everything else and it just works so i know what you mean it, that that is a yeah there's something about that that car i yeah. i i keep looking at it i keep going back to the magnum look and i just think because um i then looked at a really nice uh flat nose coupe that i think um that rent i think have maybe got for sale and yes. simon jessup's done some beautiful pictures of it as he does of everything and yeah. i looked at that and i thought no actually i prefer that cab that i saw in t911 there's just something about it i'd love outrageous. it outrageous it is very, that's very miami isn't it i know perfect yeah. for the peninsula boys <laughs> the get peninsula. it someone needs to get it <laughs> <laughs> but then all of that and you'd keep the roof up anyway <laughs> <laughs> not if i was on the peninsula not <laughs> that's different that's different gravy when you're at the coast yeah. anything yeah, goes gravy. yeah zero fuchs wheels given <laughs> exactly <laughs> Right, I think we need to come back to our ideal specs. Maybe, maybe that might hit Max's ideal spec. Oh. Um, but should we, um, should we find out about um, values of Cabriolets? A little ch- uh, with Paragon. Yes. Good idea. Jason, Paragon Porsche. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Lee. It's always lovely to see you, even if it's only 48 hours since we last saw you. <laughs> Back with another question. This yeah. is why we find ourselves here in the, in the Paragon showroom. This time you brought the sunshine with you, which I'm very, very pleased with. Well, it's funny you mentioned the sunshine. So the question I have for you, because our first, uh, first episode of the new Nine Works radio series is all about 911 Cabriolets. The 911 Cabriolet itself being 40 years old this year. Cool. So what? we would like to know and what listeners would like to know is why are 911 cabriolets more expensive to purchase new over a over a coupe but on the used market and there are a couple in your showroom here the coupes seem to be worth a little bit more so they flip round why is that yeah i mean on on the new thing really honestly i'm i'm sort of um just guessing a little but i i i think I mean, there's a historical precedent for it, which they don't need to change. Um, but I, I would guess that actually they do cost a bit more money to to make than, you know, a body and white um, coupe. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been able to charge more for a cabriolet because it was a special thing for a long time. Cabriolets are sought after 
I think I'm still correct in saying more in the UK than pretty much anywhere else in Europe. Um, I, don't, I think that's the case. I mean, I, I think that was more than just a Porsche thing. But mm. um, um, so I think that, you know a combination of those things um, on the new car pricing, and obviously where we come in, it really is a, is the the used thing, and and then. I think it's really a sort of supply and demand thing by the time it gets to to our level. And you have people that will only buy a coupe and you have people that will only buy a cabriolet. And there are more people that will buy a coupe um, than will buy a cabriolet. Um, there are some people that will buy either but may have a preference for, for example, coupe. Um, but just need to be aware of the attributes actually of a cabriolet that perhaps they've been, you know, dissuaded from thinking about in the past because of, you know, things that have been talked about, i.e., for example, you know, structural integrity and all this sort of stuff and, and how it might change handling and things. But I think, you know, overall, it's supply, I mean, it's a very basic thing it's it's supply and demand um you know on the in in our uh, realm of the market um in terms of pricing and things i mean i i, I you know i i like them i like them a lot um <laughs> having said that i'd have to admit obviously i you know i've got i've got two coupes haven't i uh, <laughs> thinking about it um, <laughs> yeah anyway that's how that came to, you know i'm not quite sure how that came to pass but anyway um i think it's the line, the aesthetic that is, you know, it's a big part of, of most people buying these cars. Um, With the 911 silhouette. And the nine, yeah, the, you know, the, the 911 coupe silhouette, you know, that evolution of that, that thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's imprinted on so many people's minds. And, you know, the cabriolet to a, to a greater and lessening, I think, extent, um, you know, is different from that. Um, you know, if you think back to the, I mean, there's obviously the, the air-cooled cars and, and all that sort of stuff, they're quite different, and, and a 996 and a 997, I mean, the, the roof line is still quite a bit different from can't follow the line of the coupe. You know, well, by the time we get to, you know, effectively 991, 992 stuff, though, I mean, I think it's pretty close. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really quite, it's quite a cool shape, mm. um, even with roof up. Um, I mean, most people sort of, you know, if you see a cabriolet going down the road today with the beautiful sunshine that we've got with the roof down and stuff, it does look cool. It is really, really cool. And that's where the you know, attraction for most people comes. And that's where they're sexy. Um, I think there's a difference um, between, um, you know, the... the the cars that were designed effectively as cabrios from the get-go, which as I understand, really, I mean, if you, you know, um, a 996 is a probably better resolved shape um, to most eyes um, than its predecessors when the roof is down. Um, and, I mean, I, I'm not sure, I, def I don't really follow it, I don't, I don't really go with this, but I think for most people that would be the, the case. Um, um, but anyway, yeah, getting back to that, 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 that buying thing, it is mostly, it's, uh, it's, it's 
supply and demand, its shape, um, and its people's views on um, you know structural integrity, torsional rigidity, and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, which okay. I I have you know certainly some views on. Well, you said just away from the mics that your first track day was in an 911 Cabriolet. How cool is that? Yeah, it was absolutely extraordinary, and it's it's something that I do tell people when if they are. You know, they're, they're generally biased towards potentially going for a, a coupe or whatever, but are open, you know, a little bit open. Then this is where, you know, I, I start telling them about, about this particular story. The first track day I ever did in a Porsche was um, the least, notionally, the least able of all of its generation to do so. It was a 993 Carrera 4 pre-Varia Ram Cabriolet. So it was sort of notionally the sort of heaviest, mm-hmm. wobbliest, least powerful thing that I could possibly do this thing. <laughs> and I, it was staggeringly good. Now, admittedly, it was, you know, this was a flat track. It was, it was you know, effectively cone set out on over a mm. large MOD thing. I wasn't launching over curbs and all that sort of stuff. But it was staggeringly effective and, you know, drove really quite hard. You know, we had a bit of sideways action and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, the, the old girl didn't have much left, I don't think. I mean, in, in <laughs> fact, I think on that track day, at one point, we were catching a GT2 at about five metres per lap. So, you know, it was, it was going really well. <laughs> but, I mean, I, that's where I think I actually completely fell in love. Anyway, the point being, you know, that was a car that... I don't know the figures. Um, I'm a nerd, but not that much. Um, I, I would expect that the torsional rigidity of a 993 cab is not the same as a 996 cab, a 997 cab, and everything that came subsequent. I suspect all of those things are stronger than the one before. And that car was tremendously able under in extreme, you know, extreme driving. So, so it's pretty compelling. Then you're saying so if some, someone's saying, well, you know, a, a a deal breaker for me is the structural, uh, the inferior structural rigidity of a cab over a coupe. And you're saying, well, actually, but that doesn't actually have to hold you back. Yeah, I, I, I I'm, sh- you know, I know, I know. Ultimately, there is a difference, and but it's so we're we're talking we are we're, if we're talking about road driving, really. You can, it, it, it's, it's almost, it's almost negligible what we're, yeah. we're talking about, really. I mean, I, I think you can have, you know, a tremendous amount, a tremendous amount of fun in, yeah. in, in even an Superfluous old even, because it, all right, so it might flex a bit more, but will, yeah. it, will it take away from the driving experience of, say, going for a weekend drive through Wales with the roof down yeah. over a nice stiff coupe, yeah. you know, tin yeah, top? Yeah, that's, that's right. It's an appreciation of, of, of other things as well. When you do have the roof down on some of the cars, and especially some of the sort of slightly quieter you know, exhausted cars, um, you know, it, it opens up another level of appreciation for it because, you know, it's a bit like having a sports exhaust and an induction kit or something on, 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 some, on a coupe car, you know, but it will open up another, another dimension to the enjoyment of the car when you, have, when you can have the roof down and, and this sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, well, that's, okay. that's, that's cracking. Yeah. Well, look, one more question then. Um, the split between classic and modern cabs. In terms of buying trends, is there a difference? I, I would assume modern cabs, from your 
guy's point of view, is an easier sell than a classic cab. Yeah, I think I think um, I think at the moment that's still true. I think I think that's yeah, that's, that's quite quite true. Um, you know, and I think it, some of that goes back is is the shape thing. A lot of that actually, a lot of that is the shape thing because people still at this point, um, you know, think that uh, a uh, uh, an air cooled cab should be as pretty or, or as, as um, smooth in design as effectively a modern car. Now, the modern cars were designed to be that car right from the get-go, and so the roof mechanism is stowed away, and they couldn't do that with the, the earlier air-cooled cars. So it's got the... Which is the same as it was for everything of that era. Mm-hmm. You know, think Golf. Think, I mean, you know, dare I say it, you know, Escort 1600i Big At. XR3, <laughs> sorry, being a bit of a nose there. Um, you know, all of those cars, I mean, they had, you know, was a Fiat, design, Fiat Strada okay. convertible, yeah, anybody? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think. Um, Talbot Sand, but anyway. Um, yeah, it's, um, you know, and that, but that's, 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 and that's of its era, you see. So this is why I don't hold with that. I mean, I think if you've got the most beautiful example of one of those cars, it's a fantastic and beautiful thing and has its own beauty, you know. Um, but then that's in the eye of the beholder and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, but yeah, at the moment, at the moment, people still have a bit of a hang up with that pram sort of back thing with a with a with an older cab. Um, the way to get around that is buy a speedster, but then that's for something later. Um, um, then modern cars, you know, where it was designed, you know, on the modern computer stuff right from the get-go to be a cabriolet it's much 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 better resolved there's no doubt about it um and so there is there, there's and there's you know there's much less compromise because you know the development in, in the technology of the roof and the you know the ceiling as in s-e-a-l um um of the thing you know the lack of wind noise the lack of ingress of water the ease of use with you know all electronic stuff I mean, there's not a lot of compromise. I mean, obviously, with 996 generation, subject closely, you're in my heart. You know, you used to get a, you get a hard top with the thing as well. Yeah. I mean, that actually is largely superfluous for most people because the grooves are so good. You know, you end up taking it off, putting it in the garage, hanging out or whatever, and then leaving it until you sell the car when you put it back on again. Um, 997, tremendous. Um, 991. Do you know what? I'm not sure I've had experience yet. Mm. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Of course, I have. Yeah, beautiful, absolutely magnificent. Yeah, really, really, really good. Um, you know, and and there is something nice about even you know, as I said, I've got coupes, um, but there is something nice about sort of dropping the roof and you know enjoying the thing. And if it's not ten tenths, and I mean, you know, mm. let's face it, there is less opportunity for ten tenths or even seven tenths, you know, uh, motoring than than there was. So you get more chance to drop, to enjoy the bits that you know are easy to mm. attain, i.e., dropping the roof in the sunshine when it comes out. You know, so um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a big I'm a big fan. Cracking. Yeah. All right, Jason. Well, look, I really appreciate your expert input and advice as always. 
Well, thanks very much for the uh, the expert moniker. I'm not, I'm not sure <laughs> no, uh, no, no, no. It's, okay. it's an opinion for what it's, for what it's worth. <laughs> so we appreciate it, and, and I'm sure listeners will as well from our Mike's Radio. So that is uh, the expert insight and input on used values of 911 cabs. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. I'll see. Cool. Good to hear from them. Kind of backs up what we've been saying, doesn't it? Exactly that. With the you know everybody wants or a lot of people want that coupe silhouette. Yeah. Yeah. And all about supply and demand. So less demand on the secondhand market means they're, they're a little bit cheaper than the, the coupes. I think we've got one last question really, haven't we? And that is what would be our ideal cabriolet spec? What's a, the, the opinion of the three of us? You know, what would you, uh, if you had the choice of everything from the last 40 years, what would you pick? Well, I've, I've given this some recent thought in recent years i've given it some thought because when i was buying my 991 as i say i you know i felt that i was up for a 991 cab as much as i was a coupe didn't transpire in the end but after my boxster week that i had last year which i loved it was my first uh drop top experience i did 500 miles in it almost all of them were with the top down i thought it was brilliant i've then been interested again in looking at at, at, uh, cabs and what i'd really like um, I've decided is a 991.1 GTS cab. Oh. I think that would look great. And I have looked for them and you don't see very many of them actually. So I haven't had much chance to, uh, to prove to myself how good it would look, but it would have to be two wheel drive because I like the um, black uh, strip between the rear lights rather than the light bar. Um, I'm not sure what color I'd want it in, but I just think that'd be really cool. Mm, yeah, yeah I, was, you, I was wondering what colour you'd go for. But yeah. you've, you've not maybe even, about. maybe even white, because of the amount of black that there is on a GTS, and with it being a cab, you'd have the hood as well. So yeah, you'd have the hood, the wheels, some of the other detailing, uh, the, the the strip between the lights, getting the whole sort of monochrome white black thing. I think that could look cool. Cool, I like it, Andy. Um, well, I was, I've been thinking about this, but oh, you know, I've been teeing up this episode for a while and i've been thinking about it um there there's a couple of cars that have come to my uh that i've seen recently um barn sport have had a orange 993 in with an orange interior which is sounds bloody outrageous doesn't it but it looks mega absolutely mega um and then another car that popped up on my Insta today was um, a car that Brian Henderson from um, Rotorform owns. It's a white 964 and it's got a purple top and a purple interior. Wow. And it's got um, white centered um, sort of kinesis wheels, the five spoke wheels that are a bit like the um, the wheels you'd get on a, a, a 993RS with that sort of okay. double spoke thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that just looks absolutely fantastic. It might even be a tip. Um, they both sound pretty outrageous, Andy. Yeah, but they're just so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's what I would be looking at, something like that, if I was thinking about a cab. Yeah, the, the be... idea, like the concept sounds awesome and like very, it's, it's just suited to America. Like that 964, like could only work in America. You know, if you, yeah. if you imagine having that here and like smoking through downtown Nuneaton, um, <laughs> you know, in a, a white dyed 64 with purple bits. I mean, you know, you'd be in Parkhurst. <laughs> Whereas in, um, you know, in, in Huntington beach, Southern California, no, no one would bat an eyelid. Exactly. It's all vibes. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. It does look good in the pictures. I must say, in in the in the uh, Californian sun. Yeah. What about yeah. you, Lee? So, I uh, the more outrageous head. I'd love a nine thirty turbo cab. Oh, yes, lovely. Yeah, because you know those those yeah. cars actually they've got a really nice note to them, and having the roof down, you can just hear that. They can be quite poppy as well, and I like that. Um, just yeah, like I say it accentuates the nine thirty experience for me. Um, like that it's one a late that, one with a um, five speed. Yeah. Like the one Andy that you picked up from mm. the Works Classifieds yes. when we were doing the, the um, Fantasy Garage episode. That's yeah. it, it was yeah. a JZM. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really beautiful car. Yeah, seriously, cool, seriously cool, you know. Yeah. So big, big fan of that. Um the, the issue is, and obviously this is the beauty of it, there's a Porsche for everyone, right? Um, so how would it fit into my lifestyle? So conceptually, 930 Turbo Cab would be awesome. How often would you use it? Well, not really. You know, even when the, when the sun's out, I quite enjoy jumping into Little Irish and going for a drive. Um, so actually, I, I think the the probably more feasible option is to get something that's more practical. And, and I would go 991.1 C4S cab yeah. um, for the exact opposite reason to you, Max. I, I really like the light bar on the 991. Uh-huh. I think it's a bit of a work of art. I, I prefer it to the 992, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd go PDK and just have it as a as a daily car. You can hop in, um, hop in, hop out, have have a bit of fun. But also, if you want to push on um, and do a run to the coast, it, it will also kind of uh, entertain in that regard. So, what color would you like? What uh, exterior interior combo? Um, I reckon bright. I reckon he's going to go. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. He's going to be showy. He's going to be the showy boy. So, well, look, yeah. How much is too much? So. The 992, <laughs> the 992 generation was much better at having that kind of split two-tone where the top yeah. of the dash, you could have like black and then have like a red everywhere else. But in the 991, they liked, particularly on the press cars, they liked to just go full on DDR. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it wasn't, yeah, it was maybe a bit too much yeah. um, and actually caused quite a lot of glare from a practical point of view. You know, when yeah. you're driving into the sun, it did reflect um off the dash quite quite a lot um yeah i don't know mate uh, that's, that's a really good question i'd be quite happy to just go with something like gt silver yeah 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 classy you know yeah and just kind of it, it, it is what it is really um yeah any anything but black i'm the, I'm the exact opposite to you in uh, there as well yeah. you know just yeah I'd, I'd really like i've got a real thing about um blue interiors be it ocean blue on a 997 or i forget what they call it now on the 992 but i like the idea especially if you can get the hood in blue i'd like a gt silver 991 cab with a blue yachting blue or something yeah yeah and a a blue hood as well i think that would look really smart nice yeah Yeah, very cool here's 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 a quick question for you lee i think about it because i saw one for sale the other day uh, and we talked about it earlier on 964 turbo look cab yeah there's one for sale. It's left-hand drive, a red one. Guards red at Hexagon at the okay. moment. And I was yeah. looking at that. It looks amazing. Um, and, and I was trying to think, when have I ever seen one of those before? Did did they're, they have that in this country or did just no did no one buy it? Yeah, they they they're quite rare, you know. Um, I remember driving a Tiptronic example. It was like metallic blue. It was at RPM Technic at the time, it was around about 2014, 2015, I would say. Right. Um, and to be honest, yeah, like, I didn't even mind the gearbox. I felt the gearbox kind of suited the car and what the car was all about. You know, it's yeah. quite a you know, big, heavy, lumpy, um, 
lumpy 911s. It wasn't wasn't going anywhere fast, and, and that was cool. That was totally fine. Um, but yeah, I, on numbers, great question. I don't know, but um, it is rare. They, there was a, what was the the American version of it? So in the rest of the world, it was called the Turbo Look Cabriolet. In America, it was called the America Roadster. Right. But ostensibly, the spec was the same. Yeah. Okay. That's but a yeah, good-looking car. Cool. Yeah, look, wide-body 964s look awesome oh, anyway, yeah, you know, know. Where, whether tin-top or not, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. In, in fact, weren't you driving one today? That was slightly different. That was a that was a speedster. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. The wide-body. It was, yeah. And actually, yeah. Um, Mark Sumter at Paragon pointed something out, which I thought was excellent. Great bit of pub quiz uh, knowledge. The 3.2 Speedster, or let me rephrase that, the Speedster is the only 3.2 generation 911 that is both wide body and or turbo body and flatback. Huh? Ah. A nice little bit of trivia. But yeah, you know, yeah, I, open top, um, albeit quite different, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, one last thing then. I think we should wrap up on the, the cabaret thing um, is if you had to go open top, would you go spider speedster cabaret or Targa? Well, what do you think, Andy? Oh, I really like the spiders at the moment. I keep yeah. seeing love, lovely spiders and just think they look an absolutely fantastic package. Um, but I do like the old speed, like 964 Speedster. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. One of my favourite modern Porsches is the 981 uh, Boxer Spider. Yeah. Yeah. I think they are absolutely gorgeous. But you do have to stop to get yeah. the roof up because you've got to you have to more than stop. <laughs> things like that. You know, you yeah. can't do the roof on the move. Yeah. Is that, is that is, not part to a, of the charm? To a, to a shrinking yeah, pilot like me. me, that's ever so slightly off putting. Because it's think like a 10 minute car. exercise, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's okay. You just have the roof off all of the time, don't you? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if, really... not, if not, Max, you'd have to drive just to the outskirts of your village <laughs> and then pull over <laughs> and then put the roof down. <laughs> and then drive oh, I would. Off again. I would. So, yeah. So I love them. And I do purely on a, an aesthetic. Don't know what it's like to drive. You can tell us because you've been in it today. I think the wide body three two speedster is one of the best. It's one of my favourite nine elevens just to look at. I think yeah. they're gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. I think they are at certain angles. Um, it's funny, Andy, what you're saying about the spider. That that's a view I very much share at the moment. There's a few seven one eight examples on um, NineWorks Marketplace uh, with varying specs. And they're awesome. I, I can't get enough of how they look. Yeah. Um, an unpopular opinion I harbour is that I would, you know, take taking out the financial aspect. Well, I'd be saving myself a lot of money actually. Um, I'd 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 take a, a Porsche Spider over a Porsche Speedster or a 911 Speedster. Yeah, you're controversial. Any any yeah. day of the week. I just I I don't get and I don't rate the 911 speeds the concept to my mind the 356 is the original and best um and you're and wrong i keep telling you you're wrong about this. <laughs> well <laughs> look, what i will say and, and and mark at paragon um and i had a really interesting conversation about this 
um today because you know in driving that three two speed that i was warming to, i mean it's a stunning stunning example yeah, Twenty nine thousand miles interior. on the clock Ooh. it's you know it's as old as me it's lived a better life than i have and it's in better condition than i yeah, have it looks as well. better than you too um, yeah yeah honestly it's a it's a it's a real real stunner silver over red interior and from behind the wheel um, helped by the fact it's got that lovely three-spoke um, non-airbag like club sport wheel it's my favorite Porsche steering wheel mm. um, the view from behind the wheel where you've just got that lovely wheel and then that kind of delicate curved windscreen that's obviously shorter yeah. as well yeah. with then the gun barrel fenders ahead is probably mm. to my mind one of the best views you can have yeah um, at the wheel of any 911 so there's a kind of a so juxtaposition there but that's it, pretty mad that it looks bloody amazing from the inside as well as it does on the outside yeah but then like you look in the rear mirror and you've got this really kind of fussy um like fiberglass clamshell oh, that actually that. rises up great. quite steeply and it, to my mind and, and again this is the beautiful thing it's what mark and i were saying because uh, mark's a you know personally a big big fan of them yeah um and yeah you know there's a porsche out there for everybody and the beauty of it is you know porsche makes all these different models and there are all these fine intricacies between yeah. all of them to satisfy everybody's you know needs and wants but yeah for me a, a porsche speedster is, is a 356 and and and, and that's and nothing else really. yeah. Yeah, yeah they're cool they're cool god i've cool. just remembered although i have very limited drop top porsche experience i have been in a 550 spider of course oh, it's not oh, of course. That. i like to remind myself about that every now and then. <laughs> that's pretty mega it's my little show-off moment Oh, shut up. <laughs> that's cool, fantastic <laughs> cool well i think it's been really interesting to talk about cabriolets i don't think they're you know um it was difficult to find the information about cabriolets wasn't it yeah um, so i think it's really good to have a good good chinwag about them and, and get people's opinions i will definitely own a cab at some point in the next few years be it a boxster it probably won't be a 911 it'll either i'll tell you what it'll either be a boxster or it'll be an e46 bmw that's what I'm committing to. Yeah. Love them both. Mm-hmm. And they're just about accessible to me financially. Excellent. Yeah. That, you know, they, they are, they are cool cars. Um, Porsche ultimately wanted to do um, sort of have an, an open top, like a genuine open top 911 right from its conception in 1963. Um, we forget that the Targa was born um, out of a necessity for the company to want an open top 911 but they couldn't make the 911 for legislative region reasons and also for um yeah reasons of rigidity or or lack of um the targa before it the marketing department gave the name targa and um, was was originally called the safety cabriolet oh yeah it, yeah it, it, it being open top with that rollover bar yeah. so you know the, the the reality is you know the open top 911 you can trace its roots right the way back um to 911 Genesis in 1963, 1964. It took 20 years for the for the 911 Cabriolet to come along, of course, in 83. Um, and it's been a mainstay of the lineup since. Um, I know, I think it's a third of um, 911 purchases. We know a Targa. I think, you know, we're, in, 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 we're realistic and the, the lion's share are going to be coupe, but there still is a significant wedge of 911 Cabriolet owners out there. And it's nice to therefore show a little bit of appreciation for that model. Absolutely. So that wraps up episode one of the new series of Normworks Radio. Coming up, <laughs> coming up for episode two, we need your help because we've got an FAQ. Um, it's all to do with bodywork, paint, 
and everything else uh, to do with the bits on a 911 you can see or a Porsche you can see. So we're going to have on Steve Shaw from Schrade Accent Repair. They're good friends of ours here at Nine Works Radio. Steve, Steve is going to answer all your questions on paint, bodywork and everything else. Um, so send us your questions, please. You can do so via email. It's hello at nineworks.co.uk or via our Instagram pages, which is Nine Works Radio, 903 Andy, Nine Works Lee and Max Ripcore. Um, or just comment on one of our social media posts that we put up in the week. We need your questions and then we'll put those to Steve and Steve will give us our answers. Right. Gents, fantastic to see you both. Uh, really enjoyed tonight's chat. Uh, we will be back for another episode next week. See you then. Looking forward to it. Bye. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by our very kind Patreons. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to join them in supporting us, you can do so at patreon.com slash nineworksradio. Thank you.